to another episode of the Dose of D. Before we get started with this week's episodes, I wanted to tell you guys about, I guess, a praise report that I have for the week. I have two. So the first is you might have seen that I was featured and the Confetti Collection was featured um, on the most recent issue of Vegas to LA magazine. So I am so excited about that. I have spent the last two and a half weeks just submitting the Confetti Collection to as many magazines as I could think of. The images were shot by Smita Jacob and I loved shooting with her. Some photographers, you know, you get on set with them and their work is amazing, but working with them is challenging. Or you could be working with, um, you know, amazing photographer that is just a little bit nervous, especially if you're shooting out on the streets of Toronto. So shooting with Smita was super awesome. She was super laid back and chill. She made me feel totally comfortable and I'm so happy with how the images turned out. They were everything that I imagined. So please go check out that article because it talks about the idea behind the confetti collection, how it came to be, the technique used to make the custom textured fabric of mine. I'm just so pumped. I would say that if you are a creative person that's maybe working a full-time job and you know you're trying to get your creative side hustle up and running on its own and you just don't have time to manage everything I would consider potentially hiring someone to do that outreach for you and someone who I would recommend is obviously Jessica Panetta of Conceptual Event Society. She is our official sponsor of the Dose of D podcast and that's one of the many things that she does. So I mean her role is to do PR, event planning, social media, all that stuff. So if you're trying to get your work published, that's a task that you could delegate to Conceptual Event Society if you're busy focusing on other things. The other praise report that I have is actually more of a story. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I know as a creative entrepreneur, there's no rule book and there's no set path on how to be successful. And so you're constantly, you know, trial and error and just shooting new ideas out and seeing what sticks. And two years ago, my friend and I, Stephanie Lane, who's also a very talented photographer, we decided to go to Los Angeles. And we decided to go, I'm not sure why we decided LA, but for some reason I got it in my head that we should go to LA and she came with me. We went to LA and we literally just slid into DMs of random models and dancers and told them who we were and that we were gonna be doing some creative shoots in LA and would they like to shoot with us. And we shot, I think, 11 shoots in like three days. It was really insane all over LA. We were shooting in Malibu, Venice Beach, the pier in Santa Monica, like literally everywhere, fighting LA traffic. And one of the, the models who we shot with, she was gorgeous. Her name was Aram Fall. And we had a great shoot. I think we were on Rodeo Drive, maybe. Like we were in a pretty affluent place in LA and she's getting dressed like on the sidewalk and in parking lots. And it was great and everything was great and the pictures turned out amazing. Um, we were hoping that through getting all this content in LA that we would get followers from the West Coast and that we'd build connections in the West Coast, but we didn't know what we were doing. We were really just doing shoots and we probably didn't, we weren't as strategic as we could have been. And so our goal didn't really end up happening. I definitely didn't get more sales for my clothing from the West Coast. None of that happened. and. I was trying to be positive because I'd spent a lot of money on plane tickets and, and a hotel and you know I paid a little bit for, for Stephanie's photography and it was just so 
just like disheartening, I guess, to spend all that money and for what? Um, fast forward to now, and you guys know how much of a fan I am of Kim Kardashian. That model is in all of the Skims photos. So she was in the whole Skims campaign. She was on this week's episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So the episode where Kris Jenner is doing that cheesy infomercial with Kyle Richards and Lisa Renna, that was the model in the background that was my model. So, you know, if anything, and I, I mean, I'm still not making my money back from this trip, let's be real. But if anything, I feel like, okay, you're in the right track. You obviously have great taste. You have, you know, you, you're a good talent scout. You found this girl before Kim Kardashian did, number one. Um, number two, I just, it makes me feel like I am headed on the right track. Like somehow there is a connection between me being such a fan of Kim Kardashian and then Kim using the same model in her campaign. I just feel like there's something there. And I've kept in touch with this model. We still follow each other on Instagram. We'll still message each other sometimes. And so that connection was not lost and it is a valuable connection. And I'm trying to get her to come to Toronto. So Aram, if you're listening to this, come to Toronto. You can stay with me for free. Like I am just so excited to see my network build up. And not only that, but to build genuine relationships with the people in my network. So yeah, those are my two praise reports for the week. We're going to jump into an episode with Jacqueline. I call her Jax. And we'll talk about, you know, being a startup uh, fashion entrepreneur, sustainable fashion, like we've been talking about a lot lately, um, you know, being a freelancer, all that good stuff. So check it out. I feel like there's going to be a lot of editing in this. <laughs> Wait, can you like swear on this? Yeah. It's like two artists trying to figure out technology. What are we thinking? <laughs> Joining me today is Jacqueline Patterson, who I like to call Jax. Jax and I have a very similar group of friends, and we sort of keep bumping into each other and running into each other, which is super fun. And Jacqueline's background is not only in fashion, but specifically with sustainability and the sustainable movement. She's been a part of various startup companies, learned a lot along the way, and you're only like, what, 26? Yeah. 26. So I'm super excited to talk to you today because I think you have a lot to offer. And even though you're only 26, like, you really do have a lot of hands-on experience and I know for a fact like you've learned a lot so I want you to share with the silkies today everything that got you to where you are I know right now like you're you're doing some freelance and you're you're looking for some more things you're sort of in between things right now um, which is like nothing to be embarrassed about we're all we've all been there Um, but I really want to hear about where you got started so excited to be here um yeah thanks for the nice intro <laughs> but um yeah it's hard to summarize everything in a kind of short conversation but i guess um where i kind of started was um when i went to university so i kind of grew up just outside of toronto so not really far away but um, i ended up going to ryerson for fashion but the business side of it so fashion communications and loved it it was a good experience um and from kind of that experience I ended up finding myself really enjoying styling um, which uh, was great like when I first started out uh, what I was most interested in and found myself doing was just collaborating with different um, creatives uh, on shoots for like print or just like portfolio work Um, but then I found kind of through my time that um, I really liked working with people 
So um, long story short, from my styling point of view, is I ended up working at Saks Fifth Avenue as a stylist for a bit, and then ended up working kind of with some freelance clients on the side um, that I just kind of really enjoyed. But um, all these kind of experiences led me to doing styling freelance. So I'm a wardrobe stylist, um, first and foremost, I like to say. <laughs> um, but that's just one of my hats at the end of the day. Um, but what was what was interesting when I kind of started all the styling experiences, um, I started to learn a lot more about sustainability. And it's kind of like one of those things that when you know something, you can't like ignore it anymore. So I started to just educate myself on the fashion industry like where our clothing comes from um and most importantly like both of the environmental and ethical impact of the industry so um what kind of I watched first was the true cost documentary which is definitely on Netflix if no one's seen it they should watch it it's just really interesting but I watched that and like couldn't look back um so even like this was probably like seven years ago now whoa but uh, <laughs> even when I watched it then um, I basically decided to try and change the way I do my styling and the way I shop as a consumer so I kind of took it under more my own responsibility first um, to kind of change my habits there but that's kind of where I started um, I'm to see where I am now but that's a long story <laughs> awesome and so you worked with a brand that you helped create called Unco yeah and Unco worked with different local designers to make these capsule collection wardrobes can you explain what that business model was uh, what you were trying to do with that company and how that even came about um yeah Unco I co-founded in 2017 um this was kind of just after I was working at Saks Fifth Avenue as a stylist and I was like in my journey of being like sustainability matters like I have to do something and um yeah I decided to co-found the business with um someone else that was in my network and we were both kind of on the same page about our values but Unco um was a marketplace business so essentially it um you know had a two-sided marketplace of consumers and then also designers so we essentially wanted to kind of um, simplify the experience of um, a sustainable wardrobe while also supporting local designers. So we did that through capsule wardrobes. So it was essentially minimal piece wardrobes. So essentially like six to 15 pieces that you would buy together at a time. So you couldn't even really buy one piece at once. Um, and those pieces would be from the array of 30 plus designers we had um, with us on the platform. So yeah, essentially it was just to try and change the consumer behavior of thinking like, you know, everything I, sh I buy should be able to be worn with other things in my wardrobe. I should be able to support local designers. I should be able to like invest in good quality pieces and essentially feel really good and look good at the same time. Um, so yeah, that was kind of our ethos, um, which was, uh, great and it ran for two years um loved the experience a lot of challenges though like i think i didn't really understand from like a personal point of view like necessarily all the work and um the hardships and and the learning and the growth that goes into um, running a business and I, I think i just saw a problem i was like i need to do something to help solve it and i just like went head first without being like oh my feet have to like catch up to me you know what I mean mm -hmm. so yeah but it was it was a really good experience and um yeah something I've really taken from that though is that uh, I continue to kind of 
merge the gap between style and sustainability. I wanted to expand on something that you said because I'm not sure if maybe the listeners understood that properly, but you were basically had a business, again, where you worked with designers, you created these capsule wardrobes, which you said were about six pieces. And those six pieces were meant to be styled in various different ways. So that even though you only had six pieces of clothing, you had like 20 outfits, for example. And that's really where you and your styling expertise came in. And I, I've actually was there when a client came to get her capsule wardrobe and you were so amazing. And like, I was kind of mind blown by what you were doing as a stylist and how you were able to make us feel, you know, getting this capsule wardrobe. The other thing that I found really interesting was that you couldn't buy one piece and I get the idea behind that because you wanted people to be buying you know a a capsule wardrobe and not one off because your mindset was that it would actually reduce waste by buying you know a bulk order of very high quality items instead of just buying here there and everywhere Mm -hmm. but I think that that actually was probably one of the things that that hurt Unco in the end because people did, you know, they'd find one piece that they loved and they were willing to spend a higher price on that Mm -hmm. item, but they weren't able to get it. Um, And so I want to talk to you a little bit about the pricing model as Mm -hmm. a designer and someone who manufactures in Canada. I can understand why things were priced the way that they were, but for, for others maybe who were following Unco at that time who didn't understand you know, why things were priced that high. Can you talk to how much a capsule wardrobe was and how you justified uh, charging what you did for it? Yeah, totally. Um, For sure, and I think you brought up such a good point that um, I feel like that's partially why it's not uh, an active business today. It's just one of our biggest challenges was that I think we were too early to market. So, you know, there's such an education component when it comes to sustainability or changing a consumer's behavior like how we all shop and so for someone to be like I can't just buy one thing it was like mind-boggling and we're like yeah like buy three and you can wear them all together and you get 12 outfits you know so um yeah we were definitely a bit early to market which is you know it is what it is sometimes and I'm super glad I still tried um but yeah in terms of the price point I feel you like um the the challenges that designers have here in Canada are Um, very difficult because you're competing against fast fashion and there's that like niche market of consumers um, like everyday people like you and me that you know want to support these designers and are willing to pay that price but when not everyone has like the capability or like the accessibility to afford it maybe to them it's kind of like I don't get it so um, so yeah for a capsule um, one of our biggest challenges was, was educating someone on like why it costs between 600 to like $1,500 um, and there were definitely people that you know we had coming to our showroom which was where we first met um, but we had people that you know came there and they purchased a capsule like no questions asked because they loved the pieces they had and were so excited about it but then there were a lot of people too that just couldn't wrap their head around like getting six pieces for like around $700 which if you actually think about it like our our model um, allowed us to price the six pieces at a better you know price if you were to go and buy those six pieces separately so you know it was actually a great like um, price point for the amount of product you're getting from Canada but to someone who would, could go like shop at H&M and get like six pieces for like 50 maybe not 50 maybe I don't know 50 dollars or whatever haven't been there in a while um but yeah so for them to compare is like really difficult um, but yeah, so we, we really had 
um, one of our biggest challenges was just educating someone on like, hey, you're getting six made in Canada pieces for like $700. You're getting them all at once. It's coming with a, um, a wardrobe guide. So we're showing you exactly how you can wear it. You can tape that in your closet. So in the morning you can get dressed, be like, hey, I'm going to grab these two pieces and you're good to go for the day. You know what I mean? So sense to me i mean you're you're exactly right if you're charging you know 700 to 1500 dollars for an entire wardrobe really when you think about it if you're shopping throughout the year you're going to be spending uh, some people will be spending that much anyway and the people that aren't are the people that are able to get things at a cheaper price point you know shopping fast fashion which that's like a whole other conversation that we've talked (laughs) about on the podcast but so I get that. And then, you know, not only that, but you're you're able to get these high quality Canadian designers pieces for a little bit cheaper because you were um, pricing or buying them wholesale, number one. Yeah. But then number two, you're also providing an additional service where you're showing people how to wear these pieces, how to price them and giving them that guide that they can take home and mm-hmm. look at. So you're really going above and beyond. And I think the value add is there. To me, the price was a fair price. Thanks. And I think... <laughs> I, and I actually, I think I appreciate it a lot more now than I did when you guys were in business, just because yeah. I've been in the industry longer. I understand how it works. Yeah. The other thing that you said was that you were too early to market. And I fully agree with that because sustainability is becoming more and more trendy and consumers are becoming more and more educated on it. I still don't think that we're at the point where consumers buying habits have changed, but it's yeah. definitely on people's radars now. And, yeah. you know, with more and more content like a true, a true cost and documentaries coming out like that, mm-hmm. hopefully that'll help push um, the message further. What I want to know is, do you think that if Unco was to come back today or in another year, you guys would be more successful? Because it really does seem when I look back and, and know what you guys were doing, I'm like, yeah, that makes so much sense. Like, I'm kind of surprised it didn't take off. But I think you're right. It was it was too early. Yeah. I mean, like, that's just one of the, the reasons I personally feel. But um, uh, in general, with entrepreneurship, anytime someone launches a business, I'm sure you know too, D. But there's so many other things that could be a factor in it as well but um honestly it's hard to tell like I think if we were to relaunch in any sense we would pivot a little bit and kind of not necessarily do the same model but try to adapt to kind of be um like a middleman of like where the consumers would be willing to change a little bit but not necessarily like drop like a grand uh in a day on like six seven eight 12 pieces kind of thing so um I think it even now like two years later I think it is um getting there but I still think it's too early because Mm. kind of as you just mentioned I think consumers are being educated a little bit more than they used to even like social media with it being like a trend um a bit more now or like a hot topic I guess um but I don't think it's totally transitioning yet to like complete different buying habits um but who knows I think it would be easier to be received and people wouldn't be as surprised to like learn about a company like unco nowadays like even just two years later but um i don't necessarily think that like surprise or like the welcoming of knowing about that company would necessarily convert to purchasing so yeah because like even two years ago we had to like educate a lot and then we'd be like a seed in like a a consumer's head and then we have to try and grow that seed into like a purchase which took a lot of time especially when we didn't sell year-round we sold like two seasons a year because it it matched the designers um seasons as well so yeah a lot of challenges very interesting concept but yeah you never know it's it's easy to think about like the ifs and the what's and 
Um, sometimes I'm like, oh, should we just have kept going? I don't know. But, um, but honestly, I think sometimes, you know, being a business owner, at times you just have to make those tough decisions and know. Yeah, everything you're saying is like sparking so much, so many thoughts. <laughs> Spark <in me>. away, <laughs> it's all good. So yeah, I think that's really interesting that you, looking back, I don't know, like how did that affect your mental health and, and how you felt about yourself as a person that you had this business and there was a lot of substance there and a lot of good ideas there. Ultimately, you had to shut it down for various reasons. Are you able to look at that with a positive lens and think, you know what, I learned a lot, I can take that with me, or is there something that's kicking yours? I think especially when, even as you just said now, like your business or something you're so closely tied to, um, there's a few different aspects. So like one, your support system becomes so involved. It's kind of like when you're running your own business or um, even for like a freelancer that just, you know, decides to share a lot about their experience with their support system you know people are invested in you and your journey so like when you for for me personally when I you know um you know wasn't involved with Unco anymore to me it was like I felt like I was letting down a lot of the people that had invested in me for people that had bought a capsule for people that had supported our kickstarter campaign like I just felt like I was letting everyone down so that was like my first reaction I was like oh my god It, it was hard like and I felt like I was a disappointment in any, everyone's eyes. Um, but I eventually, in time, I realized, like, you know, like, I'm not a disappointment. Like, people should be really proud to try things. And I had to realize that, like, people investing by either purchasing or, like, being supportive of me um, and my co-founder, who I'm still really good friends with today, um, when people were supporting us, like, they weren't necessarily supporting just, like, the business we were creating. They were supporting us and, like, our willingness to try so I had to kind of separate that and be like you know what they are still proud of me like they still support me it's not necessarily that they're only there for the business now I want to move into like more of what you're doing now which is the styling fun so yeah I'm a wardrobe stylist um it's great like I love it and I essentially um what I do is I primarily work with women um and I essentially just try and help them find like joy simplicity and empowerment through their wardrobe and I think sometimes like the conversation of fashion maybe you find this 2d but like sometimes people get like nervous talking about like fashion or style because they think it's kind of elite or like unattainable or they feel like self-conscious that they can't like identify with like the stylish space whatever that is but um (laughs) but at the end of the day we all put on clothes every morning we all have to get dressed so I really believe we might as well put on clothes that make us feel amazing um and it doesn't have to be hard you know so I kind of spend a lot of time in people's closets because I think um a lot of defining your style starts in someone's closet like the clothes they already own you know however however many products they have already I love to like look at that and get an idea of like what they already are and like what they want to be and it's more just about finding um like value out of the things you already own so I know I've talked a little bit about sustainability and while I find not everyone I work with like cares necessarily about sustainability I try to incorporate it in like a really natural way by being like all right let's like shop your closet instead of like going and spending like however much money on a new wardrobe um and so we'll try to like look at the clothes they own and I really try and bring a new perspective to someone's closet so like how you might look at your closet I might I might look at it super differently and be like this is amazing like you wear it with xyz and then they're like oh I never thought of that there's so many different ways I actually try to monetize to be super transparent here because because I am kind of new I'm making this like my full-time thing like I've always had 
styling as like a side hustle and now I'm just like really getting serious about it because I've realized you know it's really just what I want to do and what I get most joy out of and I think in today's age we should all just be trying at least to try and monetize what we are most passionate about and like merging passion and purpose kind of thing and so um yeah it's been about like the last year that I've really been you know going going at it more full-time um or aiming to be (laughs) full-time but there's honestly so many ways I try to monetize so to be transparent like I'll do styling workshops so I basically host events around the city um open to travel but right now it's just been Toronto um to bring a bunch of women together and we talk about um what color tones work best for them what works for their body type and then I do like a presentation on like current trends um but also how to incorporate them in your existing closet yeah and then I also do like one-on-one consults um with people I love it well Jacqueline thank you so much for coming today can you share with the silkies where they can find you on Instagram yeah sure my insta is at jlopat Uh, I'm not like a JLo wannabe. It's just my whole name short formed. Um, yeah, at JLo Pat. And then you can check out my styling website at JacquelineStyle.com. Perfect. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me.